Welcome back to First Technology to What's Next and uh, a man who's no stranger to What's Next is Ryan Ramahutar who is Head of Software at First Technology. Now Ryan is the current Head of Software at First Technology and is an experienced business executive with more than 16 years in the IT industry, spending most of his career in IT security and uh, business management roles. Now, um, Ryan, it's it's great to see you. I mean, you've got a strong background in software as a service platforms and cloud, and we've had many chats before. But uh, firstly, I think that congratulations on order. This is uh, a new title. Yeah, well, Aki, uh, uh, firstly, thanks again for having me. You know, it's it's always great to talk to you and, and the viewers. Uh, and I suppose share what we're seeing in the industry uh, as First Tech. Uh, with regards to the role, it's really been uh, a privilege working with uh, quite easily the best in the industry. Uh, we've got an extremely capable team that have had many years in the industry across everything, Microsoft and cybersecurity and, and many other areas. Um, I suppose for me, the challenge, of course, is to continue to be innovative. Um, we've got to be disruptive and, and ultimately at the forefront of technology, uh, you know, by staying close to our strategic partners um, and really seeing the partnership uh, as a cohesive one, rather than that of just being sort of a reseller and, and vendor transactional um, relationship. So, yes, Aki, thank you very much. No, it's, it's a pleasure. Really well. I mean, you're, you're, you're now the head of the software division at First Technology. What, what's your role going to be focusing on? So we're looking at everything sort of software as a service, everything uh, security-based, um, everything cloud-based. Uh, so that is typically the, the division that I've taken over in terms of software. That, that is how we'd be going to market Okay, very cool. I mean, we, we yeah. spoke, I think, about three or so months ago, if I'm not mistaken, Ryan, um, and we, we touched on, on the remote working conditions. And uh, I mean, that was in the heart of the last uh, lockdown. Um, things have changed, things have eased up a little bit, but you know, people are still working remotely due to COVID-19. We might be on level yeah, one, yeah. but we know we're out of the woods um, and, you know, it does, I mean, the, the, we can't deny the fact that companies are slowly getting back to the point where employers are asking their staff to slowly return back to the office if it's a hybrid mode. I mean, you can just see by, by the traffic patterns, right, that the roads are a lot busier. What does this all mean for those companies from an IT infrastructure and, uh, you know, security perspective? And also, how, how does that actually affect the discussions that you are having with your customers? Because now for all these months, you've had all these members of staff working remotely from home. Now the company is saying, well, come back for a few days of the week or come back, you know, as per normal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, does that change any of the parameters? So I think we always knew that we were going to be back or called back to the office at some point. Eh? That's the reality of the situation. But I think the question in terms of the conversation we're having with our customers is a very relevant one. Um, we've, of course, picked up that many companies have either been back for some time or have returned to office plan, which uh, they'll roll out over the, over the coming months. Um, I suppose from an infrastructure perspective, that doesn't really change much. You know, many customers invested in technology during the course of last year. Um, and, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, sort of hybrid type working environments. Mm. So for me, I suppose uh, the upside or the benefit, which I use very cautiously when we talk about COVID, um, of course, for us as South African companies, 
and you actually touched on it last week at the Microsoft Partner Awards, Aki, is yes. we were almost forced to embrace cloud, right? It's really accelerated the journey by five, 10 years, if not more. So now we're in a position where we've, where we've got tooling that allows us to be uh, more agile, more dynamic, and more secure, of course, whether you're 20 minutes away from the office or whether you're 5,000 uh, kilometers away from the office, the experience is exactly the same. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I guess so. And I think we're probably learning a lot more on security, for example. Um, I mean, we, we're going to be talking about cybersecurity because, you know, despite the fact that uh, we, 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 we're working remotely, we're still finding out about companies that have had you know, various security breaches, and I think that's still very, very relevant. Um, what are those big cybersecurity concerns for customers that, you know, First Tech are seeing and uh, that you are seeing and you're advising on that are happening out there? Yeah, so, Aki, there, there's so many uh, analogies that we often use to describe what keeps an IT security director or a CISA up at night. Um, but I suppose the most important one for us is uh, that, or rather that we're seeing, is that those CISOs are ensuring that all of his uh, or her bases are covered. Um, we like to subscribe to the thinking that if you ensure the basics are done correctly, uh, the collective will, of course, look after itself uh, and keep the organization safe. So th there's so many threat vectors that you've got to be educated on and aware of. Um, and in addition to that, you know, many threat vectors, of course, means many uh, technology vendors that you have to manage, which can often lead you down the path of uh, complexity and, and of clutter. So we seeing companies are much rather inclined to consolidate their security efforts into a single vendor um, that approaches security broadly rather than a specific piece of software that only focuses on one threat vector, if that makes sense. Yes. Uh, which then becomes one of many point solutions in your environment, uh, which obviously means multiple uh, points or areas of potential failure. Okay. All right. So that makes that makes complete sense. I mean, when you refer to the many security vectors that you just mentioned now, what specifically are those areas that CISOs are investing in the most to ensure that the employees are safe and the data is guarded against theft? Yeah, good question. So we look at a few areas and understand it's, of course, not limited to these areas. And in fact, um, uh, some of the areas that we focus on have sub points uh, attached to them, which which branches out. Uh, but firstly, be because most data breaches occurs uh, when a hacker is operating from an outside location uh, mm. of the company, uh, the company typically needs to strengthen its uh, security at a very digital point, so so the internet effectively. Yeah. Um, and typically, this is done by installing things like firewalls to be able to monitor uh, suspicious behavior on the network, and in some cases, uh, when the intruder is already inside your network, and we've seen that quite often. Um, secondly, we look at uh, hardening IT resources, and this is a discussion that we have uh, with many customers uh, with software as a service is concerned. So identify other weak points in your environment, like email, like uh, web security, like uh, suspicious behavior uh, on the endpoint. Um, and the way that you do that is by running a series of uh, risk assessments on your IT system for those potential vulnerabilities. And then once you've got that data, you're then able to shop around uh, for the best of breed uh, in the areas, of course, that you're most vulnerable. 
Um, we look at end-user enablement, Aki. You know, that gets spoken of quite a lot. Uh, uh, end-user training is an ongoing and forever journey. Um, and then we also look at things like encryption and, and PAM tools, password access management tools, that really becomes a very important uh, defense measure for, for companies. Very, very interesting. Uh, scary at the same time. And I, I like what you said. I mean, that the, the, the training among staff members, uh, people are using the technology, it has to be ongoing. I and mean, people aren't always aware the the vulnerabilities that are out there and the risks that they that, that are out there you know just by a simple action of opening up a pdf file for example that you don't know about now throughout the world we're seeing some very interesting things happening where, when it comes to legislation uh south africa we've had uh, popia and gdpr i mean the, these are really really big things and the security protocols and the controls meeting um are becoming more and more intertwined, right? Uh, I mean, wh why is this? What, what are you seeing happening out there? Yeah, and I mean, you and I spoke about Papia three months ago when yes. we last met up. Um, and I think that's a really good question. And I, I think what we're seeing is more businesses are consolidating uh, data into central repositories like cloud services, right? Okay. And I think the real challenge for companies is having an understanding of their own roles and responsibilities versus those of the cloud service provider where they're hosting their data. It's actually very important when it, in, in relation to Papier. So for us, the cloud service provider is responsible for the security of their own cloud service. But we as the consumers of cloud are responsible for the security of the data in that cloud and who has access to it on our side. So what you really need to do is uh, for, for companies when, when um, you know, better understanding this space is you've got to review your own security architectures, you know, who has access to the data, how and where will it be used um, and, and what risk it actually carries. And then once you've identified that part, you can then implement the necessary security measures to that uh -huh. specific data set. So, um you know, this, of course, kind of prevents those scenarios where a company does get does get breached. Um, number one, you'll have a serious case of reputational damage and, and a lack of consumer trust going forward. But more so, Aki, if, if that breach exposes the fact that you've been holding on to data um, that you haven't received the necessary authorization to hold or longer than what was required for you to hold it, uh, the penalties will be very, very severe. So there we see security and legislation really coexisting um, in, a, in its most critical form. So Aki, for, for us at First Tech, it's important to drive the awareness around uh, Papia to our customers and not be mistaken about the reality around Papia. You know, hopefully it's there to serve its purpose in, in regulating how uh, customers manage data, but organizations or companies themselves can't so really lie on the act uh, to keep them safe. Yeah, no, you're spot on. So, I mean, when you look at that, in that context, if there, if there is any kind of attack, in the event of an attack, are you seeing that companies are geared to deal with these breaches or, um, you know, have a rollout plan, for example, or a recovery plan? I mean, do companies have breach protocols that actually exist? Yeah, very important. And, and chances are that most of them, surprisingly, actually do have a plan of action in place. Uh, the better question, Aki, is how comprehensive is that plan and, and how quickly can that plan actually be implemented? Um, 
you know, often we see uh, companies aren't even aware of a breach in the environment. It takes a it takes a period of time to even detect that you've been compromised, and then at that point, you know, once it's picked up, it actually takes another length of time to respond and recover that data. Um, and really, by that point, you know, you've lost X amount in data and damages, and of course, uh, the reputational damage that comes along with the breach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, so when we, yeah, so so when we advising our customers. Um, on sort of breach protocols, we, we, we asked them to implement a 24 by 7 monitoring system. Um, and we at first think we look at system-based uh, strategies rather than a manned strategy. Um, importantly, we, we identify types of software that typically uses automatic diagnostics, um, things like AI and the like, um, that can detect attacks in its very infancy. So you adopting that uh, prevention uh, is better than, than cure approach. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. Yep. But I, I do agree with you that 24-7 approach is uh, and, and zero trust. You've got to have those kind of adoptions. Oh, yeah. You've got to be on alert all the time. Uh, it's, all the time, Mikey. You know, it's, it's like your home. You've got an alarm system in your home. Uh, that there's a there's a reason why, and uh, I guess that you you know your business and your software and your data is uh, you know even more important than that. You know, I mean we yeah. we know that there are so many instances of end users being targeted to gain access into the network. I mean you even mentioned earlier that uh, you know these guys most of the time they already are in your network just waiting for that moment, right? So what role is IT playing in ensuring users are protected against these kind of relentless attacks? Correct, Aki. Um, you know, uh, phishing and social engineering attacks are really the, the primary way bad guys are, are getting into networks. Um, and that, of course, makes things like uh, end-user training and driving awareness around attacks uh, even more critical. And Aki, we're not talking about those silly emails. Remember those emails from back in the day? Yeah. Uh, that you can quite easily dismiss, you know. We're yes. talking about very sophisticated uh, efforts from, from hackers. Um, so what was long overdue uh, was a very fresh approach on training. Um, you know, simply having an employee uh, watch a video once a year and answer a few questions uh, is most certainly not good enough. Um, in fact, businesses really needed to base their uh, cybersecurity training on real-life scenarios and kind of bake it into their culture, Aki. Mm. So, for example, we've seen uh, a user engagement really increase through things like uh, gamification. I'm sure you heard of gamif gamification before. Yes. So basically, IT sets up scenarios with fake phishing or ransomware attacks. Um, IT personnel actually starts in uh, actually ends up uh, competing with one another to see uh, who catches the first successful attack. Um, and then there are also other areas uh, also focused on driving um, awareness where we're educating um, the user on technology and driving more education about the attacker. Uh, frankly, you know, a user doesn't care how tech works, um, but for a user to understand how an internet browser works, will most certainly, um, you know, equip him with the right knowledge to be able to fend off uh, attackers. See, that's brilliant. I love the gamification. I guess it makes it a lot more interesting because, you know, let's be honest. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's I find it interesting. You find it interesting. But I'm, I'm sure for most people, it's a pretty boring subject, you know. But if you add some kind of element that keeps people engaged, um, you know, all the better. You know, the, the more the education spreads about the dangers of cybersecurity, the better. 
Microsoft have invested heavily into security yep. and compliance. I mean, they are spending millions in, you know, buying into companies and really updating their security and their compliance. A compliance manager, many organizations have been using to become Papier compliant um, and have the best securities in place. Now, what can be, what can we expect to see from, from Microsoft this year? I mean, I've just downloaded Windows 11. It's fantastic. I know that there's a, well, there was a new version of a server that was launched and there's new offices, yep. versions of offices coming. And of course, Azure is, uh, you know, rapidly evolving. And what can we expect from Microsoft? Yeah, Aki, I just want to correct you. There are billions. Uh, Microsoft are investing billions into, into security. It was just the other day that uh, Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, actually met with uh, Joe, uh, President Joe Biden that on how they can improve uh, the security of uh, the United States government. So um, it's a very interesting question. I think uh, a clear theme uh, and the new battleground seems to be identity and identity theft. Um, Microsoft's uh, CISO actually has a very famous saying that goes, hackers don't break in, they log in, uh, which rings very really true, right? Um, so... You know, Microsoft, the, the, the stack of services really focuses on doing the basics very well. And they advise customers when focusing on building out uh, a strategy to first assess what you've already invested in. You know, a, a good example of that is MFA, Aki. You, mm. you know, it's a tool that every Azure or Office 365 subscription customer has available to them. Uh, yet less than 20% of Microsoft uh, customers with a subscription have actually switched MFA on, you know? So that's oh, quite wow. a shocking uh, percentage. So um, importantly, we've got to wrap protections around, number one, our identity and our devices. Um, and actually another important point is the fact that uh, the future will likely not have things like usernames and passwords. And we're already seeing that transition take place. Um, so to more directly answer that question, Aki, you know, Microsoft focuses on a few key areas that really uh, creates a robust uh, security offering. And that coverage spans across um, the endpoint, uh, Office 365, uh, Azure's SIEM solution, Sentinel, um, and identity management within the uh, Azure cloud. Mm. And I think for me, the beauty about the consolidated approach um, is that it actually gives you a single pane of glass to monitor uh, everything security-related in your environment. And also, if you have a third-party tool, um, it's really likely that that tool is able to API uh, into Sentinel quite neatly, which gives you um, a single access point to monitor your entire security estate. Okay, so that's interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the billions. It actually is. Uh, it's actually scary how massive security has become. Now, what guidance can you give, Ryan, to, uh, you know, when you provide the customers, you know, and you look at customers who are battling with their cybersecurity, lots of customers like that, the strategy and yep. uh, the assistance that they need. Well, what advice do you give these customers? How can you help them? For sure. So, so very importantly, Aki, we know that there's no silver bullet when it comes to security, um, but there's a best effort uh, or, or sort of minimizing risk approach by implementing uh, tools and, and data and behavior monitoring tools that supports the best practices that we follow. Um, 
So if I had to, if I had to, you know, point out two points, it's, you know, constant end user enablement. We're seeing more and more that uh, IT is identifying the weak point in their environment or their network being the end user. So again, training is an ongoing and forever journey. You know, threats are constantly evolving and in turn, we need to uh, equip our end users with the knowledge to face these attacks uh, head on. Um, and then secondly, Aki, in terms of guidance, you know, keep testing your environment. Test, test, test uh, by performing those risk assessments um, we talk of. Um, strong IT really requires uh, constant analysis. Um, and we see it often, the, the assumption or the complacency that uh, IT or the IT systems that you currently have in place is sufficient to always keep your data safe is actually a risk in itself. Mm, mm. So... The ultimate goal is really uh, to deter risks as, as far as we possibly can. Okay. How do people get hold of you guys at First Technology, Ryan? I mean, uh, if any customers watching this want to have a conversation or potential customer, how do they get in touch with you guys? Yeah, so Aki, we've, we've got our LinkedIn pages, uh, First Technologies page, as well as my own personal page. You can get in touch at any point. And then we're running a, a series of uh, security campaigns, which you're able to follow on a few uh, media outlets, my, my broadband being one of them. Um, so, so please look out for those. And then please reach out to us at our local office in Cape Town. You know, if you need to set up some time for us to discuss, we're willing to do so face to face and assist you. Fantastic. Ryan Ramawutar, who is the head of software at First Technology. Ryan, it's always good to chat with you. And uh, I get a, an interesting perspective on what's happening out there in the industry. Uh, great chatting to you and I uh, hope to catch up soon again. Great. Thank you, Aki.